My name is Dave Carlson. I'm an elder here and my lovely wife of 30 years. Leo Jalan, uh, Leo Kaler was here last night and I meant to ask him if you know Leo, you should get to know Leo if you don't know him. Um, tremendous guy, spent 60 years, is that right, in, in Japan. I meant to ask him last night, when does the honeymoon end? Because I've only been married 30 years and I'm, I wasn't sure when the honeymoon actually ends. Wow, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to be speaking to you this morning, and we're going to go through a lot of verses. I am not going to be reading every one of those verses to you, but I am going to try to put them up on uh, the screen for you so that you know that this isn't just Dave Carlson's opinion. Um, this is from the Word of God. But I want to start this morning with a little clip of a song. Um, and I want you to raise your hand if you recognize the song. And so uh, if you'll play that, that music clip for me. A little more cowbell. And she said, do you come from a land down under? Who knows, the, who knows that song? Who knows who, who, what the name of it was? Great. I have another question for you. Who knows what the lyrics of that song are? No? Can we put the lyrics up on the screen, what the actual lyrics are? Maybe not. No? Let me tell you what the lyrics actually are. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. So it's Land Down Under by Men at Work, 1981. So a little bit older, not that old though. Uh, the exact lyrics are, she said, do you come from a land down under where women glow and men plunder? I'm not going to ask you the question of what that means because I think you might have to be on drugs to know what, the, what that possibly means. Um, but I, I have two more questions for you uh, in the same vein of asking you questions, and I want you to answer these in your mind when I ask them. Um, why, what, excuse me, what is church? You got that answer in your mind? Why do you come to church? Those are good questions, honest questions. Let me give you a Pew Research Center study reported in 2018. The top reasons for U.S. adults um, that they give for attending religious services. Number one, to become closer to God. Good reason. Number two, so children <clears throat> will have a moral foundation. Not a little more shaky of a reason. I mean, if you're dropping your kids off to uh, young adults or all that and expecting them to make them followers of Jesus, there, there could be a problem. Number three, to make me a better person. And number four, for comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. The reason I played that song and asked you what the lyrics are, um, although it's a fun song, um, a little sacrilegious in church maybe to, to play, but is to ask this question. You knew the song, 
but you don't know what the lyrics are. Is it possible that just like that song that was played, that you've lived your whole life with church as a concept in your mind, but not really knowing the purpose, what the lyrics are, why you go to church. Over the last couple of months, over the summer, I've had the opportunity to talk with very close people in my life. And they have asked some hard questions of me uh, about the church. One of the questions was that they, it seems like the church might lack sincere interpersonal relationships. It's a little bit hard to access deep, sincere relationships in the, in the church. Another question that came up was that worship uh, sometimes doesn't stir them spiritually. Okay, good question. And then lastly, one of the other major themes was that churches sometimes operate more like a business. Tough questions that I've wrestled with. Recently, uh, another leader here at this church asked me, um, Dave, do you think that Heart of the City represents an Acts 2 church? Do, we th do you think we're actually doing that? And I probably answered a little bit hastily because I thought to myself, man, did that, did that early church, did they really have fog machines during worship? Did the early church, did they really have as much humor in their video announcements? I'm not sure. Those are good questions too. I mean, those are honest. No, those are, those are meant to be a little bit funny. Um, I am a little bit sarcastic. I think I've said this before. So sometimes I'll say things very plain-facedly and they're really jokes. And it is okay to laugh at those um, so that I know that you know that I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Did they have gatherings this large? Was the early church, did it really look like this? Um, were they this formal as what we did? You know, there's all you guys looking at me and you're all sitting in nice, comfortable chairs. Was it, did it look like this? One thing that I know that is a little bit different about the church in 2022 versus the, the early church, the Acts 2 church, is that they did not have the internet. They weren't able to sit out there like all of you wonderful people who are watching, but they weren't able to just type in their favorite preacher teacher. It was much more local. Uh, if they wanted to hear the word of God preached, it was a local thing that happened. Will you please stand and we're going to read a section out of Acts. I'm going to ask you to do something just a little bit different in that you're not going to read aloud. I'll read it. Please listen Silently, but thoughtfully. This is Acts 2, 41 through 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts 
praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. One thing I didn't mention last night uh, when I gave this same message, and I'm just throwing this out there as fodder for maybe a future messages, is that in that passage that I just read, the word and is used in the ESV uh, at least 16 times. I, I just noticed things like that, but it was a church of and, and, and they did this. It's sometimes easy to, man, I'm so exhausted. Uh, what, no, what do they want me to do now? It was a church of ants. Just throwing that out there. The title of my message this morning is The Real Church. I want to start with a definition. <clears throat> I went to the internet, um, you know, the, the place where all truth is, is exposed. <laughs> I went to the, to the uh, internet and I typed in definition of church. And the first thing that popped up was this. Um, from, the, from definitions from Oxford languages. Definition, a building used for public worship. Spoiler alert, our culture does not define the church. This definition does not define the church. The word of God defines the church. Amen? Amen. So, then I went to the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek, and looked up the word church, a definition from the word church. And Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus speaking. That word church is the Greek word ekklesia. The Thayer's definition is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly. The word means assembly, congregation, a gathering, as in Acts 19.39. You'll have to look that up. Like I said, I'm not going to read all these, but can be applied, at least in a, I, I do want to be honest, it can be applied. I found two places. There may be more, but it is possible that it could be applied to an unassembled assembly. I know that that's a weird concept, unassembled assembly, but there's two places in Acts that I found that it could apply to that, and that was Acts 8.3, when it says that Paul went into the homes of the church and, disrupt, and disrupted them. So it seems like individuals, unassembled assembly, and another place it says um, in Acts 14.27, gathered the church together. So if the word means an assembly, then how do you gather the churches? I don't know if you follow what I'm saying, but there are two places. It doesn't seem to be very common. Interestingly, the word ecclesia in the New Testament is never used for a physical building. Never is the church a building. And I know that we use the word, I am going to go to the church, and we oftentimes mean this building. But I want you to understand that that's not how the New Testament uses the concept of church. Jesus didn't die for a building. He died for us, the church. Yes. Um, 
there are, within the Bible, there are two or a few definitions of what the uh, descriptors, ways that the Bible uses uh, this word church. The first one is uh, the worldwide universal church, meaning those people beyond time, beyond space, we are all connected to. If you've had that opportunity, you went, you, you went someplace and you ran into this person and you were like, you're a believer, aren't you? Uh, there's just something that connects the universal worldwide church. And oh, some of these, like I said, we're putting, I'm putting these up there, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Ephesians 3, 21. Realize that is not an exhaustive list of the words that are in the Bible for church that are used to describe this universal church. The other way it's described as the local church church, a local or regional gathering of believers, Hebrews 10.25, and so on. Let me break that down a little bit of what a local church looks like. Does it look like this? Was the early church, did it look like this? In my opinion, the first major example of the gathering of believers in Acts 1 and Acts 2 was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, and there is the idea, and I don't want to mess with people's heads too much because many people believe it happened in, an upper, in the upper room. Um, and please read that context of where that is. I do think that there were disciples staying in the upper room, but the upper room of my house does not hold 120 people. Anybody have a house that holds 120 people in the upper room? No. Not only did the house hold 120 people, but there were people within earshot close enough to hear that something's going on in this upper room. The Holy Spirit is being, there's, if you read that, read that verse, you realize that there were people close enough and there were 3,000 people added to the church. Again, I will ask you, does anybody have a house that holds, holds 3,120 people? Probably not in the upper room. Why, why am I making a point of this? I believe that that meeting happened in a court. In, in, a, in a room within the temple, in a courtyard within the temple. That is significant simply because Jesus' heart was for the Jewish people. He kept reaching for the Jewish people to come to him. And he poured out his spirit in the temple. The, the other significant thing about that is I think that that God was trying to illustrate. The temple was the place where the, the presence of God resided. That changed that day. That was a radical change. It says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It was to illustrate that there was, there was a radical change happening that day. No longer was the presence of God held in a building built with man's hands. It is in you, and it's in me. The next, so we, we talked about this large public gathering. The other thing that the New Testament talks about is they gathered from house to house. And there's some examples of that. Again, not limited. You can find many more. 
we at Heart of the City believe in that. There's a movement in America that's been happening for several years called the House Church Movement. And their idea is that basically church can only happen in a house. We believe in house church. In fact, I have a brief commercial for you. Uh, The commercial is that, we're in my notes, the small group launch. We we are a church of small groups, right? I hope, I, I... I plead with you, I beg that you would become a, small, a, a part of a small group. The launch for that weekend is September 17th and 18th, and more will, will come about that, um, but we are a church that believes in small groups. This large public gathering is a wonderful thing, but there's something that happens when we meet from house to house or in a restaurant or uh, some of them meet here at the church, there's something that happens in us when we are accountable and we look at each other and go, Rob, how you doing, man? Here's how I'm doing. Um, I'm not doing so well today. I'm struggling with this. Can we pray together and can, can you be my accountability partner? There's something that happens in it. It's not scary, really. If you've never been a part of one, please try it out. Please do it. It's a wonderful thing that happened in the church, the early church. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons uh, in talking about the house church movement and is that the only model for the church. One of the reasons that the early church met from house to house it be, is because there was a government that was persecuting them. And it kind of forced them to meet in secret and in private so that they wouldn't go to jail, go to prison. Um, Also, Judaism. There was a breaking away of the church from Judaism. Remember Paul going from house to house, dragging people out. And so there were just social reasons why the church met from house to house. And so it just seems, it doesn't mean that what we're doing right here is wrong in any way. I, do, I, I want to pause here for just a moment and talk about something that, that was a big controversy within the church. It happened in 2020, and it started with a C, and I'm not going to say the word um, because it's been said so many times, COVID, um, but it caused a huge stir because it changed the way even that we at Heart of the City met, met for a brief period of time. Understand that the early church responded to things as well. There is not a... If, if Jesus only ate Canadian bacon, the only representation of Jesus was eating Canadian bacon pizza, which he wouldn't have because he was Jewish, but anyway, if he only <laughs> ate Canadian bacon, there's only examples of that. There would be people that said, you are in sin if you eat pepperoni pizza right? Which is a sin. I like Canadian bacon way better than I like pepperoni. But there are examples in scripture that are not necessarily commands. There are, we, we need to be able to uh, decipher between this is, a, this is a godly example, but it is, is it a command for all of time that this is exactly how we do it? Make sense? My point? There's another, a third example um, that, that I want to define just a little bit, and I'll define it a little bit later on, but 
Number three, where two or three are gathered. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among you. So beautiful, two or three. And I would like to say, I mean, there's uh, uh, Craig Brown is doing um, these video things, uh, TikTok things that people are hearing in other countries. And there are gatherings of two or three. What I would say to those two or three is keep gathering and keep gathering people so that there might be a church represented there. Some biblical synonyms for the word church. The flock, Acts 20, 28. Brethren, which that word brethren in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, don't, be, don't think it's just men. <laughs> that word is representative of men and women. Saints, Christ's kingdom, Christ's body, God's household or family, the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, God's temple, living stones, spiritual house. I am going somewhere with all this, so please don't, don't like check out yet. It will get good if you're not like, I'm just into information somewhat, and maybe there's like two other people out there that are, but um, we, will, we are going somewhere, so please hang with me. So we all know that the head of the church is the senior pastor, right? Good, good. I'm glad some of you said no. Thank you. The head of the church is not the pastor, senior pastor. It's not the elders. It's not Peter. And it's not the pope. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Please don't mistake in that verse that Peter is the rock that the church is built on. Go back a couple verses, and Jesus says, He, Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? It's a good question for all of us to ask. Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That word Christ is a New Testament word that simply means, in the Old Testament, Messiah. You are God. That revelation is what the church is built on. That Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone that the church is built on. Ephesians, Ephesians. 2, 19 through 21, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. There's another interesting point uh, that I want to make is that in this passage upon, um, in, in I will build my church. That word ecclesia is the first time in the New Testament that that word is used. And Jesus seems to be intentionally changing from the word of synagogue to the word church. The word synagogue means to come together. The word church means to be called out. There was the called out ones, the called out assembly. God is, Jesus is making this distinction that there is a difference between Judaism at large, and Christianity. The early church was Jewish, the early, early church. They were all Jews for the first many years. 
And it, Jesus is making the point there, you are different. You are called out to be different. This next point that I want to make uh, are the minimum qualifications of a local church. Um, now, some of you might disagree with these. I put verses up here. This isn't Dave Carlson. If you disagree with some of these points, you're going to have to go to your Bible with your marker, black point marker, and cross these verses out, and many more. Number one, they are saved people. Verses are up there. Number two, they're baptized people. If you haven't been baptized, we are having a baptism class right through those doors and through those doors. Jump in there, and we will be doing a baptism in the next service. So be something I would encourage you to do. Jesus was baptized. His disciples were baptized. Jesus commanded them to be baptized, and Peter practiced baptism. It's one of the first things he did on that day of Pentecost. Those people were baptized. Number three, it's a regular assembly. People regularly gathered, not at Easter and Christmas alone. That's not regular. I think you know what it means to have a regular movement. And it's not on Christmas and Easter. They had worship in their gatherings. There was, I'm not going to, intentionally I'm not going to de define worship because worship is musical, but worship is also giving. Worship is many things, but they had worship in their gatherings. They had exhortation in and by the word of God by gifted shepherds. I, I am, this is amateur hour this morning, so I barely make it into that as a speaker this morning, but um, they had the word of God preached and taught. They were under duly appointed leaders. That chaffs some people's hide, but that's what the, there's some verses there, there's more in the New Testament. So one of the questions that some people are thinking in right now is, do I have to go to church to be saved? Our answer is no. You don't have to. Ephesians says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So salvation is a work done by God. It's not done by coming to church. You don't earn extra points in heaven for coming to church. But I do want to say, if you want to be a part of the church, that all these things that we've been talking about, please see the first portion of my message. Um, if you want to be a part of the church, you actually have to be a part of the church. I just define church. It means a gathering, a congregation. And... All of you are here, and all of you are there, and I don't know why you're there and not here. There's very good reasons, but I would encourage you, if you're there and you can be here, become a part of the church. Hmm. I want to give you next a picture of the early church. 
let me jump back just a moment because I, I, I do want to say this about why people don't go to church. Some people have been hurt by the church. I get that. You haven't been in church for very long if you haven't been hurt by some things in the church. But I one time got some bad food. I still eat food. Some people don't come to church because they don't like organized religion. What does disorganized religion look like? A picture of the early church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers, when you come together? Each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. Did we, were we able to make that slide, those slides? And I'm not, uh, there we go, togetherness, yep. There's a ton of verses um, that I'm not gonna read to you, but I, I want them to scroll through them. And they're all representing, I tried to weed out everything and say, what was togetherness? What did that look like in the church, early church? They rehearsed all that God had done to break bread. They comforted each other. They planted together. They strove together in the, in the work. They were perfectly joined together. They labored together. Uh, God hath tempered the body together. They suffered together. They rejoiced together. Uh, they were edifying. They were in prayer. They were framed together. They were builded, built, well, it's King James. They were builded together. Sorry, I'm, it slips out, King James, every once in a while. Um, fitly joined together. They were compacted together, edifying, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I won't go on and on with that, but I want to return to my first question. To you and to me, why do you why are you a part of the church? The church is about togetherness. The church is about being a family. And we don't always do that perfectly. And when I mean we, I don't mean uh, senior pastor Jonathan Owens. He's not doing that right. We are the church. I have uh, three wonderful children uh, that are not children anymore. They're all raised. And they, were, they are my family. And uh, when they were about, uh, we, keep, we kept adding responsibilities to their life as they grew up. I mean, you know, it started out pretty simple, but then they were doing the dishes and they were, we had some dogs, so they were cleaning certain things out of the yard. They were cleaning the chicken coop. Uh, we had, had them frame an addition on the house. Um, we, we did not do that. But as growth happened in their life, responsibilities got added to their life. I've seen people who are believers, who have been believers for many years, who just warm a seat in a church. Showing up at church is not being the definition of togetherness. And all of those words, in those words, look them up for yourself. That's what the church, that's the picture of the church, is togetherness. We're part of a family together. Not simply relying on one man or one group of people or to do it for us. As I was um, driving in last night, I saw 
And it was pouring, if you remember last night, people, it was pouring down rain and uh, lightning and thunder. And I passed on, I, I live south of town coming in on 95 and there were three motorcycle guys riding. I thought, my goodness, this is, this is not a good day for them. Uh, when it's pouring down rain on a motorcycle, I bet that they were in a cab or in a household. God has put us in a family. And I am as North Idaho as any of the rest of you. And I like the idea of me and Jesus out on the open road together with no hindrances, no responsibilities, nobody to be accountable to. But I bet those guys wished that they were in a car. Maybe with some other people. Would have been good. Do they still have the place here called Lone Wolf? Somewhere here. Lone Wolf. The church is not made up of lone wolves. We are a people that are built together into meaningful relationships in Christ. Our eldership here believes that there are natural actions that have spiritual consequences that come with them. Things like water baptism that's gonna happen this morning, that it's a natural action, there's an, it's a living out a metaphor of death, burial, and resurrection, but there's actually something that is happening in people's hearts. There is a true death, burial, and resurrection that is happening in people's hearts. There is a true circumcision of heart, cutting away of that old stony heart and a new heart being placed in us. Their communion, that it's more than just simply taking uh, a cracker and some cheap grape juice and eating those things. That there is something spiritual that happens in our lives when we enter into that. Marriage, it's not just two people standing up in front of here, but there is two people becoming one flesh in the spirit, entering a spiritual covenant. Coming, be, coming to this gathering is a natural action, but the sum of its parts is more than that spiritually. The Bible says that your body, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but go back to 1 Corinthians 3, and it says that this gathering is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does something. It's not just about, ah, yeah, it's just me and Jesus. It's us in this together. If you uh, are like, okay, cool, I've not really heard, I, I thought church was a building, and you're not, you've, ne you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and into the family of God, then I want to talk to you for just a moment. Uh, Craig did an awesome message last week, and I feel like this message is, is somewhat similar that now is the time. Were those his words, right? Now is the time. The time is now. Time is now. Okay. All right. I was close. The time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is to become, it's the time to become a part of the family of God. The second group of people I want to I address this morning are those people who 
haven't been a part of a church, haven't been a part of the ecclesia, and you've been out on your own, you've been the lone wolf rejecting God's plan for your life.